it's Webb. And Webb shrugs off a tackle. That'll broke up. Webb goes forward. Webb's over. Webb's over. Webb comes up. Oh, great shot. And cleaned up the football, but he's lost it. No, he'll get the penalty. And it's on again. Now it's Langer. Now it's Carl Webb. Running towards Thurston and Webb, and they combine with Webb. Cameron Smith, a face pass over for Carl Webb. Uh, Ten metres out from the line, and they're in, they're over Carl Webb. Carl Webb has scored his second origin try. Queensland leading 6 nothing after 20 minutes. One of Queensland's most feared forwards is facing his toughest battle. Carl Webb is stepping up to the challenge of motor neurone disease for the benefit of others. Motor neurone disease attacks the nerves that carry signals from the brain to the muscles. There is no cure and the disease is terminal. Right now, there's more than 2,000 Aussies living with MND and every day, two more are diagnosed. Welcome back to another episode of We Are Human. My name is Sam Thardaya. I am the host and uh, I get the privilege to uh, talk to different sporting stars and different sporting talent to uh, tell their stories, paint the light to show everyone that at the end of the day we all are human. My next guest is Carl Webb. For those who don't know Carl Webb, fantastic rugby league player, played for the Brisbane Broncos from uh, 2000 to 2004, played for the Cowboys from 2005 to 2010 and Small little stint at the Parramatta Eels for one year uh, in uh, 2011. Represented Queensland 12 times. Also played for Australia. So, uh, Carl Webb, welcome to uh, the podcast, mate. Thanks, Sammy. Thanks for having me, mate. I've got uh, a lot of fond memories of you, Carl, from uh, my early days of, of the Brisbane Broncos. I can still remember coming down as a, as a young kid, seeing you on the training paddock and going, damn, I'm never going to play rugby league at the Brisbane Broncos with these guys here because... You had a, like a fairly good little crew that came through at the same kind of time as you, didn't you? I think I think just all that era, Sammy, well, we, we shared quite a few years out at Brizzy together. There was uh, like a, a bit of change of the guard, I think. You know, we had feeder club at the time with um, Brisbane Brothers. It wasn't a real successful partnership over there. Then we obviously moved on to the Clydesdales, mm. where we all then played those years and all of us sort of cut our teeth there together. You would have enjoyed those uh, those early days at... Uh at the Toowoomba Clydesdales from, you know, being out that way, you would have played a bit of junior footy in Toowoomba. How was that for you? Oh, yeah, look, it was brilliant. So there, there was that, um, the organisation there that was um, obviously familiar to me, um, having played through the Toowoomba comp. Just uh, prior to me leaving Dolby, leaving home, our local team, Dolby Diehards, actually entered into the Toowoomba League as well. So it was a good segue for me. I remember I was fortunate enough to coach Carl in one of his first games at, at the Clydesdales and um, terrific fella and you know we want to get in behind him and support him as, as every way that we can. Obviously going to Brisbane, it did cushion the blow a little I guess just in terms of leaving home and, and those types of things with having all those familiar faces back from the Clydesdales so that was, it was good. And how was it moving from, from Dalby to, to Brisbane because Dalby is, it is a small country town compared to what Brisbane is and, and was back then. Yeah, absolutely. Look, I knew I wanted to. I knew it had to be the next move. You debuted pretty early, though, for the Brisbane Broncos in your first season, is that correct? 2000, and that was actually against the Cowboys up there. Yeah. So it was like it was huge, obviously. Ashley Harrison had, had debuted probably, I don't know, it would have been maybe six weeks prior to that as well. Yeah. And so we all knew we were sort of the 
next cabs off the rank, you know. Knocking so, on the door. Yeah, so it was really exciting around there. But like you said, there were there were so many of us, and we were all there in waiting, ready for the call up, and it was like just really exciting. The buzz around the club was amazing, and as you remember, Ivan Henjack was a coach in the, in the reserve grade, and he's just got a, a, a stacked team full of all these all these young you know superstars. Yeah, it yeah. was it was unreal. Shane Webkey was still around at that point. Gordy was still playing. Um, you had uh, Andrew G as well, who'd go overseas for a little bit, but. Um, came back and yeah, he was came back. He was, so. again. He, he was back there, obviously playing. You know, I mean, Thorny was around. He had the likes of like Harvey Howards and blokes that was yeah. sort of would come in for a couple of years and then sort of pass through the club. But um, yeah, it was difficult to get a spot in that team every week. Yeah, it was um, definitely stacked and uh, and and even the environment around the club. It was. It's different to what it is like now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was. <laughs> well, I, I can't. I, I don't know. Maybe I mean we went through it. Yeah, and you just remember um, having to be a part of it and still try to stand out in an international team. So it was. Well, you had to buy into what the those senior players were trying to sell you. You know, I could still remember for many, many years making uh, cups of coffee, the old instant coffee for Shane Webke <laughs> and the old thermos. Um, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I can still remember those days. But um, you know, we really had to really earn our stripes when we wanted to, um, you know, finally get in that first grade team. You have a lot of success early on. You, you debut at a young age. The following year, 2001, you get selected to play for Queensland. Red goes forward. Red's over. Red's over. A what a great effort. What a great... I remember seeing this kid play last year for Toowoomba, the Brisbane uh, lower grade side, and he, I thought, what a player. And look at him now, a year later. I mean, bursting through four or five defenders to score a state of origin try. Good on you, Carl Webb. Yeah, where where are you at now? Like, how are you feeling? Over well, the moon? we still, I guess, the, the age of that that group as well. We were all still trying to cement a first grade spot, uh, trying to play consistent footy. And next minute, there's nine debutants in a state of origin team. To start with, it blew me away. Obviously, it was the pinnacle of what I wanted to achieve in that rugby league space. And then, um, and then to finally get there and just in the fashion. It happened for us. Was yeah. uh, it was a massive shock, but I mean, you're bulletproof. Then you know you, you feel like you can run through walls. And because there were so many of us, we were in it together. So it was there was a certain air of confidence. Uh, I must you know, admit, even though there was a lot of inexperience, there was definitely a lot of belief. Yeah, you talk about running through walls. You you scored a try in your your first game for Queensland, and you. You can tell it like a fishing story if you want. You beat 20 people in the field and <laughs> scored in the left-hand corner. I, thought, I think every time I hear Gordy say, say yeah. oh, tell the story, he adds another 10 or, or, or 20 men. Yeah. So I must have had to do the circle a few times <laughs> to beat them again. But You're bumping off your own players. <laughs> but, um, no, nah, look, um, yeah, it, it was it was absolutely the highlight of mine. That, that whole series was a highlight of my career because, you know, game one, Last game at Lang Park before they um, refurbed it. Yeah. Game two, we went down. Uh, obviously, it was scored on debut. And then game three uh, with Alf's return and a master stroke from Wayne. And, you know, um, just to tie it off in that fashion was next level. And to play, to actually play one game with Alf, that was the only game I ever actually played with Alf. Yeah. Which they relayed. Now it's Langer. Now it's Carl Webb. Pushing it wide and quickly. Whip straighting out. Down to the 20. Lockyer's there. Lockyer goes in. 
So, you know, it was a fairy tale. Yeah, so you would have been a young boy growing up at Dolby, you know, watching Queensland roll around, watching Alfie Langer play, and then you get your chance opportunity to play with him in a State of Origin series. Well, that's right. I mean, I was just talking to Kevy the other day, you know, like we'd only played a few games together, but um, still, you know, that, that, that whole era of people that we grew up watching and idolising, and just to get, uh, you know, even one game in with one of them, yeah, uh, just all the success that they had through that club, and obviously, you know, it, it didn't hurt the club to sort of come off the back of that success either in later years. But um, yeah, what what a rush for for a young kid, you know. A lot of uh, success early as a young kid, uh, debuting at a young age, playing for Queensland. But it's a bit of a rocky road then after that, you know, your last kind of couple of seasons at the Brisbane Broncos, um, in and out of reserve grade, a few injuries at that point in time. How did you, how'd you cope with that? Well, that was when all the distractions came in, Tim, you know, yeah. it was, because it wasn't hard. It's a one-club town and it wasn't a club, but it's just all the distractions outside of it because what a wonderful franchise and then everything that comes along with it. And, you know, that's just the notoriety in, in this community, wonderful community. However, um, I just, the, the wheels started to fall off. Yeah. The, the good times started to outweigh the good times on the field or the work on the field. There was two years there where I, I just knew. My standard of footy was shocking. Yeah. Uh, well, it was definitely inconsistent. And I'd lost the, um, I guess, the, the purpose of what I was actually there to do yeah. um, in my job. So it was made painfully clear in the end by Wayne yeah. that, listen, we'll release you. It's up to you whether or not you play your, your final year out with us or you can just head to another club. And look, to me, that was crushing. What are you, early, early 20s at this point in time and you're sitting down having that conversation with Wayne? Yeah, yeah. and that's right. Like, um, I mean, they, they do say a lot of things about pressures on... On young kids, but to look, we had all of the the opportunities to learn from these older players to and to do the right thing. Yeah, you know? but we just well, I know I did. I I, I sort of um, I, I I lost it. You know, just the wheels fell off, and and I knew it was um, it was the, the problem was with me, but the solution was with me as as well. Yeah, it was a hard conversation to hear, but it was one I needed to hear. Yeah. So two thousand four was my opportunity. The way I seen it, it was to get another opportunity to at least play my way into a good contract. I knew my time was over at the Bronx, yeah. but um, uh, opportunity to play my way into a contract, look, Wayne said, look, we're not going to use you, mate. You know, it's just, we can't, you know, like, and I could see from a business point of view and from form point of view as well why they wouldn't. Mm. And just through fortunate circumstance uh, for myself, we had that many injuries uh, 04, and I'd had a big pre-season, you know, so I was fit and um, it just came to a point where they couldn't, you know, they had to use a few of us, you yeah. know, and, and that's when I got my opportunity again. Uh, having gotten that opportunity, I, I took it with both hands, so I played my way into good form yeah. and into a good contract with the Cowboys, you know, it was... It was a huge second half of the season, 2004. Yeah, it's funny how it can... Um, it can all come so quickly, but you can lose it quickly, but you can get it back. And, um, you know, you can tell me to shut up at any point in time, but I can always remember at the start of every season there'd always be an article in the paper. And and I I reckon probably off the back of 
the Broncos' success through the 90s, I think we started getting more publicity. We started getting more articles in the paper. You know, we were front page, back page, all through the middle of the paper. We were always on the news. But it seemed like at that point in time, the spotlight was always on you every time we came around to pre-season. You know, Carl's fitter and stronger than he's ever been. Carl's been training. He's been doing this. He's been doing that. Did that become wearing on you? I, look, definitely the pressure, but I, I don't even think I had the maturity then to actually understand it for what it was. Yeah. I didn't see it as pressure. I just, I seen it as, wow, there, there's, you know, there's story there. Any, any story is a good story. Whether or not it's got that negative spin on it or, or whatnot, they're still talking. But, uh, I, you know, if I had a better head on my shoulders, you know, like in years later, you, you, you do, don't you? You yeah. sit there and go, wow, like, if only I had got fitter, if only I, I, hit, I had to hit the ground running, if I looked after injuries better, if I just played the game. Yeah. But hindsight's a wonderful thing. However, um, like, it was just take no prisoners then too, you know. Like, we were in a lineup of class footballers. Yeah. And it was get in there while you can, while you've got every opportunity. Because you just didn't know if next week the opportunity was there for you. Yeah. Well, we, we constantly had that turnover of young guys that were coming through again. So, you know, you talk about that upper echelon of players, the Shane Webkeys, the Petro Simonisivas, those guys, and then that next kind of tier down was yourself. You know, you had Dan Carlaw, you had uh, Corey Parker, and then below that again, there was myself coming through, Ben Hennett, uh, Tom Leroy, Lars, Neville Costigan. So, it was, yeah, it was, it was definitely a, a cutthroat kind of um, time there. You end up going to the Cowboys, getting the contract up there. Was that the best move for you? Well, absolutely. Yeah. Had to be. You know, if I stayed here, I probably would have learned another bad habit. You know what I mean? Like, it was just, it, it, it had to be that progression. Yeah. Um, but getting up there the, in, into that environment, very professional. Billy Johnson was, was really good for, for me. Yeah. Uh, and it was another big preseason. So that was uh, great. And, and obviously, Knew a few people up there as well. Yeah. And I remained in Queensland, which was a, a big thing for me. I wanted to stay sort of in the state and um, big pre-season and then I hit the ground running, you know, and I felt great uh, coming into 05. We were fit as a team. I was fit, uh, probably as fit as I'd ever been and um, I was in good form. Yeah. You know, I, I reckon, you know, 04, 05, 06, yeah. probably the better years um, I'd had. North Queensland had made history by reaching the club's first NRL grand final. The dark early days of their existence seemed galaxies away. Excitement among the fans had reached fever pitch, and with good reason. The so-called other mob had earned a shot at league's holy grail. And I was enjoying my footy, I was enjoying Townsville. It was, um, it, it worked out well for me. I I'd, I'd really enjoyed playing, I loved turning up. Um, I even enjoyed the training, uh, even amongst that heat. Like, I don't miss it now, <laughs> but I, I definitely no wouldn't, wouldn't live back there now. It's just too hot for me. But um, I love my time in North Queensland. I, I did. I spent a bit of time in Kansas as well, but uh, just the, the people, yeah. which really made it, and then um, just their love of sports. So I think that was a big thing when I first moved up there was uh, just driving around the community, um, checking out some of the uh, other sporting codes up there as well yeah. and just driving along having a look over what's that crowd over there it's bmx or yeah what's that crowd over there it's a ping pong crowd you know what i mean like <laughs> they just jump behind everything Andy, yeah 2005 cowboys make the grand final lose to the tigers which was you know everyone's looking back at now as a 
a classic match dominated by Benji Marshall and Scotty Prince. End of that year, how do you feel after, you know, new start, new beginning, train your ass off to get in peak condition and then you make it to the big dance and you get pants. I don't know. I get pants. I didn't play. Oh, you didn't play? No, no I was suspended too. So some of that shit was still in my game. And oh, there. So okay. I was suspended as well. So I watched it from the sideline. Oh, which is, which is, It was even harder. But um, stylistically, that's the way the game was played. Then we were playing hot, so were they. Yeah. So it was just a, a, a real hot game. You know, it was fast, fit, and it was a great game to watch. But, you know... Princey and Benji were on fire at that time, and yeah. it was really hard to stop. I mean, John Owen and Matty were too. It was just, it was their day. Marshall skips away. Marshall skips away. Marshall's still going. Marshall's got Richards coming up outside. Now inside. Richards pursued. He pushes Jensen away. Pat Richards. Pat Richards has scored a magnificent try. Link to the field stuff. Oh, that is one of the great grand final tries. Yeah, it, it was. Um, it was. It, it was crushing. Yeah. First grand final for the club. We'd been massive through the year, and then we lose it at the end. However, we made it. You know, and, and years later, they'd go on obviously to win the grand final. But yeah, look, it was. It was. It was pretty crushing. But yeah. at least we're up there then. You know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and you had some great times and some great years at the Cowboys. Um, again, pick up some injuries towards your, the end of your your time up there. Being injured is the worst thing for any rugby league player, and then especially in Townsville because you got Billy Johnson around, and uh, he all he does is flog you. You don't even get to see the team half the time, do you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, was, it was horrible. You're trying to get get through injury, and for some reason, I think everyone. I mean, you know, clubs want you get you back as soon as they can, but I mean, any recons or anything like that now, they're expecting you to be back in three weeks. Yeah. You know? So they're shaving another week off. Yeah, the yeah. doctor says six, but they want you in three. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you're you're um you're sort of encouraged to get back there as quick as possible. Your last year rugby league, you go down to Parramatta Eels. You know, probably didn't want to go down to Sydney at any point in time, but you know, you did. You played six games down there. Wasn't a good place for you. Nah, look, um, oh look. I, I appreciated the uh, the, the offer and, and the opportunity in there. I just I just don't think it, it was a good move for me. Yeah. Because um, the last game I had down there, I just knew it. I, I, like that's I, I'm done here. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm finished with rugby league. And um, and then that was it for me. Yeah. But uh, as for the club, I mean, I did I enjoyed my time down there. Actually, you probably had one of the hardest pre-seasons I'd ever had, and I was fit as well. But just those shitty little injuries, you know, later on in your career. Yeah. And I would always have that soft tissue stuff, which just didn't let up on me, you know what I mean? It's a power athlete thing, mate. Yeah, that's what they reckon. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, and, and all that sort of stuff, it, it just didn't get any better for me, you know. Um, even years later, you know, after the game, you get sort of try to jump in the treadmill or try to do something a bit more dynamic and, you know what I mean? Like, it's, yeah. it's going on you then. Yeah. So you just... You're really restricted in what you can do. It's, it, it is bullshit unless you're really vigilant on what you're doing. Yeah. Uh, with your rehab and all that. But yeah, it was in the end. It was like I'm sick of trying to come back from this this shit all the time. Yeah. Know? No, definitely. I think that's why I've given up on running now. To be honest, Cause <laughs> yeah. I just don't want to do a calf or anything. So <laughs> <laughs> I keep on telling myself. Yeah, you had a fantastic rugby league career. It was great to play alongside you. It was also great to 
to watch you on the football field. You're probably up against your hardest battle of your life. You've got a real battle on your hands now, don't you? Yeah, mate. Look, um, it's uh, oh, it's just one of those things. I, I'm, uh, I haven't sort of jumped on the the pity train where you're sort of blaming different things. I, it's just one of those things, and um, I'm sort of rolling with it. Yeah. Um, but uh, it definitely does, um, you know, turn everything upside down. Yeah, uh, just the way you look at things. Uh, the way you live your life, the way the people you want to be around, yeah. um, everything in between. It's, it's, it's really um, has been a challenge. Uh, however, we, me, my family, friends, we're all meeting it um, head on, you know, yeah. like, and I've just got so much support behind me. It's, it's been wonderful. Yeah. I mean, you've seen it, Sammy, just the, the way the football crowd, they get together and get behind their own. Yeah, exactly. Such a revered figure on the football field, Webb was diagnosed earlier this year. His rugby league colleagues unsurprised by the former Bronco and Cowboys forwards pledge to put others first. Always been a, a great person of great character, strong character, and that's shown here today with the, the roll-up that he's got as well. While good funds and awareness have been raised here at this event, the encouragement to help isn't restricted to this. If you want to help out, you can do so by visiting carlwebbfoundation.org. I want you to take me back to the start of this year when you get the diagnosis of M and D. Where does it all start? Well, it, it started for me probably mid nineteen. Yeah. So uh, I'm at work, uh, and I'm in the mining industry. Yeah. You know, uh, just operating machinery, and then um, uh, it's waking up in the morning, um, trying to get yourself dressed and zip your pants up. You know, just it, for me, it started with the little fundamental things like doing your buttons and. Um, holding knives and forks and things like that, you know, yeah. like um, like it wasn't a problem holding them, but it was just a problem with the strength. Then, you know, like trying to cut or, yeah. or trying to use a pen, you know, like then it just progressively got worse as, as the condition does. What was your thought process there? So you you know you're starting to notice these little things. Are you just brushing it off like it's just sign I'm I'm fatigued from work or? Well, at first I'm worried. You know, I'm thinking, oh yeah, just because at that stage it was. It'd be like that for a little while, and then you'd you'd be firing again. You know, and the nerves yeah. would be actually firing for you, and then you know you'd be right for a bit. But then it's like, um, you know, later on, it's oh, it might, might be a pinched nerve or a disc, yeah. you know, or something, something, some old back injury. Yeah, maybe it is just pinched somewhere there. Yeah. You know, and and for a while there, I had myself convinced as a you know a good chiropractor visit would be probably yeah. do it. You know. And that's what I've done, and then you know I did feel good after a while, and but you know nothing sort of changed dramatically at all, and I'd still had these little issues, and then um, it got to the point where like people close to me at work were noticing, you know, like, and then they were giving me ham with certain things, you know, like just carrying um, plates and cups back to the table for dinner. Yeah, I couldn't do one plate and hand and a cup in the other hand anymore. You yeah, know, it was just getting too much, and then. Um, I'm starting to get concerned now and then it's a GP visit where she's got some concern and yeah. now she doesn't want to say uh, anything because it's obviously not her area but um, then it's the uh, referral to the specialist and then it's their testing the physical testing they do with you in their office and then uh, like the 
the, the, the little procedures that they have to undergo just to take samples and different things so that they can take it to the lab, check it out and test it, and that's pretty much where they've done all they can and then diagnose us in February. He was one of the toughest and most feared footy players we've ever seen. Now, Carl Webb's body is slowly failing him. At just 39, he has motor neurone disease. The initial visit, the first visit to the specialist, it was like he was quite honest, up front, straight away. Yeah. And that was in late 19. It was like this, like all things considered, what we're looking at here, I think, is, is motor neurone's disease. And motor neurone disease attacks the nerves that carry signals from the brain to the muscles. There is no cure and the disease is terminal. Right now, there's more than 2,000 Aussies living with MND and every day, two more are diagnosed. Um, I didn't know a lot about it, like I, I like a lot of people do, N is, isn't too far off the mark. It, it sits in with Parkinson's and MS and those other degenerative uh, neurological yeah. um, conditions. So, um, but I knew it was serious, you know, like, and I've, I've just, it's hit me, it, 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 like a punch in the face, and then... And then it was just, uh, it was, it was like a daze for the next 48 hours. I, did, I didn't really know what to think or how to think about it. Still clinging on to the hope that maybe it's a pinched disc or maybe yeah. it's something like that. But, but um, you know, uh, after all of the studies and then diagnosis, it's pretty hard to deny. And then obviously then, then it's just living with it. Yeah. Who's, uh, who's with you at the doctors at this point in time? Oh, look, I wanted to keep it fairly close to my chest at that yeah. stage because I didn't want... Even the, the idea of, oh, it could potentially be this, I didn't want it, like the family to be worried about those sorts of things if it, in fact, wasn't that anyway. So I wanted diagnosis before I went in public or even with friends or family. Um, and then obviously got the diagnosis and then... Um, I don't know, I, th- I think it was... I thought it was easy for me just to, to have the information myself rather than see how it would impact friends and family yeah. before I'd got diagnosis, you know what I mean? So I sort of just held that close to my chest until I knew. So you kind of sat on it for a couple of months before you... Well, I had to, you know, yeah. like um, I had to wait for then to get in for these procedures and, and yeah. even when I was in there it took about a week to get them all done. It's a massive thing to sit on for it mm. as, as long as you did. Um, at what point in time then do you tell the family? Oh, look, I had to get home and sort of sit down and have a good think. Yeah. Uh, and I had, prior to that, sort of just tried to think how I was going to do it. And then, yeah, it definitely came back to the kids, you know, like it, it always does. But um, they're, they're, again, then with diagnosis comes all the medical support and support from M&D and me and, and the other um, support services, M&D Queensland as well, and um, speech therapy and, and physiotherapists and occupational therapists who come and give, give you a hand in the home, you know. Like, all of those things are, OK, here's your diagnosis, now you've got to learn all this shit, you know, like uh, this is this is all your support services and this person's from here and this person's from there and it's, it's like on top of everything, you've got, yeah. to, you've got to coordinate all this and then, <coughs> then they actually give you a coordinator you got to learn her name and then she's got to learn everyone and you got to make this big 
you know, team of people and it's got to be transparent and everyone's doing this for you, you know, and you you got to understand that. And then, so the first couple of months were pretty tough and then after the initial shock and yeah. then sort of understanding where everyone sits and then understanding how sort of, you know, other people are taking it. How do you, how do you tell the kids? And you know, as a father, you know, even just telling the kids... You know, that you're going away for a couple of days is a big thing, but this is yeah. massive news. Oh, look, um, it's funny just how, how they pick up things and and sometimes they don't even need to be told. However, we did. Yeah. We made that, um, before it went public, we... Because you got uh, four kids, yeah? Yeah, that's yep. right, yeah. Before it went public, we made sure all the kids knew um, so they just didn't hear through somebody else. And, yeah. And then we've got support services for them moving forward with everything with um, child Sykes and all that sort of stuff. So that, well, again, was another wonderful uh, added support service that comes with it, you know, like things that you don't think about. Yeah, know. definitely. And now, you know, they're forming relationships with them and then there's ongoing support there. So there's... Um, and that's something I definitely... was huge for me anyway, but they know Dad's, they know dad's crook and, yeah. and we sort of just continually keep them up to date without pushing them, you know, like, and yeah, they have just been wonderful. The oldest son, 15, yeah, yeah, three, uh, eight, 10, and 15. Okay, yeah, so they'd all be processing it at different points in time. And do they know and understand the severity of it? Yeah, look, we, um, I think the important thing is just the, 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 the change in dad, mm. and then when it gets to that, like. We haven't we haven't come out and just said, listen, this is the prognosis, and this and this is how it sort of develops. It's sort of understanding every step of the way what's going on. Yeah, with dad, this is why he can't do this, or this is why he's not doing that. And look, I just think them being concerned, kids. Yeah, like even if it's me um, off balance or something, oh, you're right, jumping in. You know what I mean? Like, um, and with advice as well, it's. Um, it's important not to turn the kids into carers. Yeah. You know, they've still got to have their, their, their sort of experiences with it, yeah, but, you know, still live their little lives. and Yeah. But, like, I couldn't ask for any better. Like, they're, they're just wonderful. Fairly resilient. Oh, mate, and it's resilience, yeah. but th- th- there's a level of maturity that I've seen. I just, I couldn't understand it, you know what I mean? But uh, I suppose... You know, everyone comes up against some sort of challenges in their childhood, and it's and it's the resilience kids generally are. But how you sort of come out of it and how you handle it when you're a kid generally is um, a good reflection of how you're going to sort of come up through it later on in life. And yeah. these kids are doing a wonderful job. You ever just get the chance to sit down and reflect yourself and really think about the future? It's as easy as that. It's, it's um. What's happening tomorrow, yeah. uh, and what I, you know, what I'm thinking about in the, in, the, in the next six months, and then reassess after that. You scared? Some days, good days and bad days. Uh, yeah. Some days, well, mate, I, it's just one of those things. And then I wake up and then just go, oh yeah, that's right, <clears throat> you know. Yeah. And it, it's it's a daily event, and then. Takes you, I don't know, about five minutes to take a deep breath, get yourself out of bed, you know, because that's not easy anymore. And then, um, 
and then sort of a couple of deep breaths and okay and like wonder how the legs are feeling today you know you can get out a couple of cracks and different things but that's just the old 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 stuff old rugby league names (laughs) yeah but then it's the oh here's the strength you know and then yeah okay it's going to be a good day you know what I mean and then but again it's just day to day Just recently you had the launch of your foundation, Carl Webb Foundation, which is helping people with uh, M&D. The thing I got from your lunch and the launch was the amount of guys that were there that were first graders, but there's just as many reserve graders as well. So this shows how much of a stand-up guy you were. You know, that must have been a massive moment for yourself to you know, put this lunch on to try and raise some money for your foundation, but essentially just catch up with the boys. <laughs> Well, that's how it started. It was like I just want to catch up with everyone. It was it was more of a conversation with Keto, um, one of our mentors that we went through with, um, mm. and it was oh mate, I just want to catch up with everyone. You know, like have a beer. At, like twenty twenty is a write off, mate. With this whole COVID thing, yeah. everyone just wants to get out and do something. You know, so it wasn't going to be a hard sell just to get the boys together. But then it was like, well, you know, like because that was right in the thick of just starting to um, open up a little bit. That's right. Freedoms, yeah, and getting a, and and being introduced to all of these um, supporting services, and just realizing just how wonderful they are, and thinking, man, look, I'd love to support this, you know. And there's if there's an opportunity, well, then why not? And so we merged the two, and and it, and it became what it is, you know. Like it was massive. It was panic stations about a month out because I didn't think we could pull something like that together. Yeah, that just says how much the girls worked. That was um, Amelia Oberhart and. And Diana Key and Keto and Mrs. And, and they were just phenomenal on the trail, and they were just just hunting everything. Obviously, priority to catch up with friends and family, uh, and also raise money and awareness for this horrible disease, uh, MND. So uh, the idea, obviously, marry the two together, catch up with mates, and and raise money and awareness with this foundation launch. Just huge how they could pull that together. You know, a lot of a lot of people, a lot of the corporate friends of ours that were there really were blown away themselves and you know they're they're seasoned throw events all the time event event holders all the time you know there's going to be more yeah man like we're looking for i think we'll just jump on the back of a you know the football season all stars in february up in townsville have they released that they've released it wonderful no that's great Um, february the 20th that's going to be on the weekend before (laughs) there's a big fight night up there as well oh the prince here yeah and and carney is it i'm having a go too Oh, beautiful. <laughs> how, many, how many blues are there? Um, there's a few. I think Hodjo's having a fight as well. Princey's having a fight. Myself. Um, there's going to be uh, Nelson, Asofa, Solomono, um, Josh Papali. So, yeah, oh, yeah, there's, yeah, wow. there's a fair few. Of us. It's a, oh, that's going to be awesome. I, I might come up for that one. I might even just stay on that week. Mate, like the NRL have come in and the Indigenous NRL board are keen to help. Yeah. It, again, it's just been wonderful, just the outpouring of support from everyone. There is talk with Gal donating his gloves um, after the, after his fight with Hunt. Yeah. Look, we're going to continue with this momentum. We've got a few things planned, but we'll make that public and and get it out there once we're organised. Um, that foundation, obviously, it was the launch of the the name, yeah. the foundation. Uh, we did align with M and D and me as a charity. Uh, they're set up, so we've aligned with them. That grant is still there and active. Yeah. And it's actually serving its purpose now. It's actually supporting a couple of fellow sufferers um, oh, awesome. w- with grants of their own. So the, the, that's uh, really encouraging to see that that's working. And then um, we are now in the process of, of setting up our own foundation, 
its own separate entity so we can then have the flexibility to sort of to donate to the you know different support services like your summer housings or your home instead so yeah you, you mentioned before you come in into the unit that that smelled clean well that's one of the support services that come in you know home instead have some um Ladies who come into your home, give you a hand with just the fundamental things, um, just to clean around the house, and sometimes we prep meals for the kids and just freeze them. Yeah, can be anything. Go shopping, and it's just uh, another service that people wouldn't necessarily know about. And and then um, you know, summer housing who who uh, accommodate me here in this unit, mm. and the twenty four hour service uh, care they have down in the lobby. The fittings of the unit, um, just how far disability housing has come. Yeah, it is. It is massive, and every little bit of um, money can help. What's the What's your website again? CarlWebFoundation.org. Yeah, you'll be diverted through to the M and D page. However, the the Carl Web Foundation, you, you'll see it as soon as you sort yeah. of go into that. Oh, that's good. So hopefully, people get out there and donate because uh, essentially, M and D, you know, there's no um, cookie cutter. Um, symptoms is there so you know, it's kind of different for everyone so yeah. you know someone might lose the ability to talk first or or arms go or legs go yeah that's right mate it's um it's a nasty one uh, there's still so much we don't know so uh hopefully with um the future events we we can also go into um research as well mm. just a lot we don't know about you know yeah and um which you know we'd, we'd like to change um it's got nothing to do with footy, hey? Oh, look, man, that's the other thing. I wouldn't like to make any claims at all because yeah. there's no research that supports that theory either. I mean, a lot of people are curious about that. Yeah. But I, I will say right now that, again, there's just no research behind this. The, the fact that a head knock might contribute to it, not at all. So that's where that research would come in handy anyway to put the record straight, you know. Webby, I uh, really appreciate having you on here mate you're an absolute blockbuster barnstorming player on the rugby league field but I think the stuff that you're doing now is so courageous and you're really on the front foot and giving back mate and uh, you know there's going to be a lot of other people out there that are going to benefit off you know what you're doing now for a long long period of time so thank you for doing that and again thank you very much for joining me on the podcast today no thanks Sammy I really appreciate it mate cheers setting up for something What a great effort. What a great... I remember seeing this kid play last year for Toowoomba, the Brisbane uh, lower grade side, and he, I thought, what a player. And look at him now, a year later. I mean, bursting through four or five defenders to score a state of origin try. Good on you, Carl Webb.